All right, we're looking at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Bible says that that all men are like grass and that all man's glory is like the flower of the field and the grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. Let me pray for us before we talk about it more tonight. Heavenly Father, we are, we have to be honest with ourselves. We are fleeting. We are like the grass that will wither away. Um, And life can feel very much like that. And we need something solid in the midst of it. And you are that. Father, you say your word is that. That your word will stand forever. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us tonight and that you would work through your word. That you would work in spite of our, in spite of our being tired. In spite of our feeling ill, being distracted in spite of our sin. Father, there's so much about us that that works against your word, but you uh, you are bigger than all of it. So would you be with us and cause us to hear and to see and to believe? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Thanks to the generosity of my parents, uh, for our honeymoon, Amy and I got to go uh, to Bermuda, which was a really great trip. And we got to stay at one of those, uh, this really beautiful resort. And it was one of those places, one of those all-inclusive deals, right? Where you, uh, you basically, you pay your money, and, or you pay your dad's money in this case, and, which is way better. And they take care of everything from then on, right? Uh, all your meals are covered. They take care of that. Uh, your activities... Um, your, obviously your housing, everything's taken care of and provided for you. If there's something that you need, they wait on you sort of hand and foot. They're always there to uh, take care of everything for you. And it's a lot of fun, right? That makes sense. Um, it's great to feel like somebody's taking care of you, right? Um, that, you know, even if it's just for a few days, but even in a place like that, in a setting like that is wonderful as it is, um, you know, deep down, you know, it's not really you that they care about, right? Like, obviously they're in it for a reason. They're there to make money. Now, sure. They very well might care about you to some extent and they want to put their best foot forward. But I mean, at the end of the day, they care about making money. Um, but right. It is this little taste of something that we would all love. Wouldn't it be great if there was somebody that really would care for you like that, that would attend to every need, that would, that would pay attention to every aspect of your, of your life, and really care, but actually care about you like that. 
that would be that would be awesome, right? For somebody to care for someone else like that, in some ways, is a rare thing, right? Um, that's why stories of of people making great sacrifices to care for their loved ones, um, uh, you know, and those sorts of things are so moving. But wouldn't it be great to know that there was somebody that would care for you and pay attention to you like that? Well, you know, this semester we're studying through the Psalms, select Psalms, and our theme every week is dealing with feelings. Uh, Because the Psalms are, as we've said every week, they're essentially songs, and they're songs about, really about what it looks like, and maybe even better, uh, what it feels like to be in relationship with God. And we could say it's really, they're songs about what real life feels like. And like songs uh, tend to do, they traffic in um, emotion, right? They help us to understand our feelings and they help us to express our feelings. And the Psalms help us do that. Uh, Psalm 23, right? It's it's probably the most well-known psalm. In fact, it very well might be the most well-known piece of scripture in the whole Bible. And so uh, that's what's before us tonight. Most scholars would say that uh, they would classify it as a confidence psalm. Uh, In other words, one that the psalmist is expressing his confidence in in God, in his care. And so what I want you to see, what we see in the psalm is this, with, with really beautiful and vivid imagery, the psalmist shows us that he puts his trust in God because God cares for his people. He cares for his people in every way. Uh, The theme of the Psalms right there in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. So in other words, because God takes care of me, I have everything I can ever imagine. Everything that I need. Uh, So we're going to look at that tonight. Uh, We're going to see four aspects of God's care as we work our way through the Psalm. And don't worry, we're not going longer just because there's four. Planned it out. So the four things I want you to see, uh, I want you to see that God, number one, provides. Secondly, that God guides. Third, that God protects. And fourthly, that God celebrates. So he provides for his people, he guides his people, protects his people, and celebrates his people. All right, first, uh, in verse two, you see that God, or we see that God provides Right, the psalm begins with this illustration of uh, shepherd and sheep. And so we should probably say a couple things about that, right? That's not as readily accessible of an illustration for us today, maybe as it was uh, in, in David's day. But, and you very well might be familiar with this, but uh, shepherd, a shepherd was entirely devoted to his sheep, and he did everything for them. They were his livelihood. It's how he made his living. And so they were really his everything. And he had to take care of them in every aspect because sheep are famous for not being able to do anything for themselves. Right? Sheep are virtually entirely helpless. They're incredibly dumb animals. Uh, Some people even use sheep as an argument against evolution. That there's no way they, they would exist if evolution were, you know, how it worked. Um, but because the, the livelihood of the shepherd, because he cared about them, because they were everything to them, he cared about them in every aspect. 
Um, And so in verse 2, you see the picture of the shepherd providing food and rest for his flock of sheep. Right? Sheep can't even really find food for themselves, evidently. Uh, Apparently, they've been known to be so dumb that not only will, will some of them walk into like rushing water and be swept away. They just walk headlong into it. But they will follow, they will see that and then follow the others just right one after the other. And we could draw lots of good applications about how we're being compared to sheep, but that, that'll have to be another sermon. But, but what you see is that the shepherd, the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows what they need. And he puts them in exactly the right spot to give them, to provide for them. Right? Um, he puts them in the right pasture, beside the right streams. He gives them exactly what they need. The food and the water that they need. And it's an illustration, obviously, of how God cares for us. Right? And so we have to recognize that... Right, if this is true, this is saying that God provides everything for us. Even the things that we take for granted or the things that we think we really provide for ourselves, right? But that it all comes from a God that loves us and very carefully cares for us. All right, so what is that? How do you apply that to life? If that's true, and to the degree that we really believe that and own that, to the degree that we hear that good news, wouldn't that, wouldn't that change how we worry? Right, what do you worry about? We all worry. Maybe some of us are prone to it more than others, but we all worry. Right, what if it's true that God really does care about you and provides for everything? Wouldn't it begin to work on how we think, um, am I going to get the right job? Uh, what if my grades aren't what they need to be? Um, what if I don't meet the right person? What if I'm not married by the time I'm whatever age? Yeah, fill in the blank. What, what if I don't have enough money? What if I don't have enough money to finish school? How am I going to pay off this debt? What is it that you worry about? Right? What if this is true? What if God really does provide for everything? What if he loves us in that way, like this psalm says he does? So you see that he provides for us. And we've got to keep moving. Uh, secondly, I want you to see that God guides his people. He guides us. Look at verse 3. The beginning of verse 3 says that he restores my soul. And now we have to take a second to, to sort of explain or dig into what, what that means um, the verb there, restores, has the idea of um, to return or to bring back. Okay? Um, so it's in that sense that he restores our soul. So what does that mean? Um, well, like we said, right, sheep are not very bright animals, and they don't even know where they need to go. Um, as a result, they can tend to just wander off aimlessly. And so shepherds are always having to keep them, right, uh, Right. Like I said, they've been known to wander into raging rivers. Uh, they're also known to follow one another right off the edge of cliffs and just keep going. And so the shepherd has to pay very careful attention to where his sheep are. And when he sees that one's wandered off, he goes and he restores it back to the flock. 
Right? He returns it, brings it back. And that's what this is getting at. Um, I've never tended sheep, as you probably haven't either, but I have tended toddlers, and it can't be that different, right? It's probably pretty close. Um, I can remember, you know, especially when our kids were younger, right? If, if we would play in the front yard, right, by the street or in the driveway, or we'd go on a walk, right? Obviously, Amy and I have to pay very careful attention to our kids because what? Or why? Because kids will just wander off. And they not even chasing a ball into the street. They'll just wander into the street. And right, what would I do? When one starts to wander off into the street, I run over there and restore him back or her back, right? You get the idea, right? You keep them, when they wander off, carefully bring them back. And that's the picture here. That he restores our soul in that sense. All right, so what does that mean for us? How do we apply that? Well, Isaiah 53, 6, this is one you might be familiar with. Uh, it comes right out and says that when we sin, it uses this illustration. It says that we are like sheep that have gone astray, right? That have wandered off. That's a, a great illustration of our sin. That you and I are prone, we're prone to wander off away from uh, Away from God and his law. We're prone to do all sorts of things uh, that aren't good for us. That are going to end up in, in our own destruction like a kid wandering off into the street. And what this shows us is that, that God in his kindness, he brings us back. Even, though, even when we wander, wander away. So look, what this means is that if you're one of his people, if you trust God in faith... It means that even those times when you do wander off, even when you do find yourself in sin, it doesn't mean that you don't belong to the shepherd anymore. Does that make sense? Even when you wander away and you find yourself far afield doing who knows what, it it doesn't mean that you you look up and you say, well, I I guess that's it. Right? Right? Uh, because we get the picture here of God bringing you back. All right, so how does God return or restore our souls? How does he bring us back? Well, he does it by his Holy Spirit working through his word and convicting us of our sin and showing us his grace and his mercy. Ultimately in Jesus, showing us, showing us that, he, that he wants us to come back. So what that means is that if, you, if that is you and when that's you, when you feel the weight of your sin, right, and you're brought to the point of repentance, that that's, that's a great thing. And it means that, all right, here's how I think we typically think of, of repentance. Uh, we find ourselves in sin and, and we want to turn back to God, but the picture of God that we're turning back to or potentially turning back to, is the picture of sort of dad, right, with his arms crossed and that, that look on his face, right, that scowl, like you've done it again. And, yeah, that, that he might let you back, maybe, right? But what I want you to see this psalm saying, right, is that's not the picture of repentance. That's not the picture of the father that you turn back to. Because it's not only the picture of a father that wants you to come back. It's a picture of a father that actually comes and gets you. He restores my soul. 
from my study of it, it doesn't mean that like, I mean, in the end, yes, the result is like he satisfies, right, and fulfills my soul. But the idea is he brings me back. He wants me to come back. So when we think about repentance, it's not the picture of, of an angry dad, right? In fact, I forgot this little nerdy fact. Um, the Hebrew word here for restore, uh, it's the same word that we often translate um, for repentant or repent. It's the same Hebrew word. He repents my soul. Right? It's the picture of the, the prodigal son, right? What is the prodigal son, the one that's gone off and done, lived like crazy? What is he, when he finally decides, All right, maybe, I, maybe I can go back to dad, maybe? What does he find? He finds a dad that longs for him to come back, that's been looking for him, and that runs toward him. And actually, the psalm, in, in a sense, kind of goes one notch beyond that. And we get the picture of him. He's actually the one that brought us back. What a, what a beautiful thing. He guides us in that sense. Thirdly, I want you to see that this psalm shows that he protects us. He protects his people. Verse 4. Um, all right, because you, you might be thinking, well, if God's so great and he provides for us in every way, and he does that because he cares about us, and he guides us, well, then why, why did... And fill in the blank however you might, but then, then why did my parents break up? If he really cares about me, then, then why, why did I get sick like that? Uh, why did that person die? Why did my boyfriend or girlfriend break up with me? Fill in the blank, but right, it's a fair question. And what we have to see is that sometimes God guides us and, and in a sense provides for us um, into some difficult places. Right? Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, and we're going to talk, talk a lot more about this in, in some other psalms later in the semester. Uh, so we're not going to get into it too much now. But there has to be some comfort that we find here, right? For believers that to be able to look and know that whatever circumstance you find yourself in, To know that as difficult as it is, and look, life can be incredibly difficult, right? People get sick. People die. Um, Lives get wrecked. People get abused. People get persecuted, right? Just, they're horrific things. They're really dark places to walk through. But doesn't it begin to help to know? Now, it's, it, is it hard to put the two together? Yeah. But to begin to believe and, and know that I didn't get there outside the good care of a loving father. And again, we're going to explore that more this semester. Um, but for now, right, we see the picture of, of the sheep going through some sort of dangerous, dark area, right? The, the valley of the shadow of death. And it's probably not just referring to death itself, which I think a lot of times we typically think of it's talking about death, but it is after all the shadow of death. Um, but some sort of dark, difficult circumstance. 
But as they go through this dangerous, scary place, right, notice, you notice that the shepherd is on full alert and is right by the sheep's side to protect them. And the sheep take great comfort in that. And it says that his rod and his staff are a comfort. All right, so what does that mean? All right, uh, evidently shepherds would carry this uh, sort of small club. They would carry it in their belt. And they would use it to fight off, right? Other things want sheep, right? Want to eat sheep, steal sheep, whatever. And so they would carry this weapon to protect their sheep. Um, and it's important to know that shepherds, right? I don't know what picture you have of shepherd. But shepherds were really tough dudes. Like, no joke, you don't mess with shepherds, right? They're, they're not like the nice, quaint little, you know, picture that you get, right? In the, probably in your Bible somewhere, the, you know, illustrated Bible. These dudes were bad news, right? They were tough, right? Uh, David himself, when he, was, uh, when he was arguing, if you remember this in the Old Testament, Samuel, when he's arguing with King Saul that he should be the one to go fight uh, Goliath, Right? He says, uh, what is it, 1 Samuel 17, um, he says that he has, as a shepherd, he has chased down lions and bears and grabbed them by the hair and killed them with his own hands. And yes, that was because of the help of, of God. But still, right? Dude. Grabbed lions and bears and dealt with them. So that's the picture, right? Uh, uh, several years ago, I remember reading an article uh, about... SEAL Team 6, and they had, uh, they had just, there were, I think, two people, two Americans were being held in Somalia and uh, by some of these Somali pirates. And all right, so I want sort of put yourself in, in that situation if, if you can, right? You're in Somalia, which I would struggle to find on a map. Being held by pirates. And imagine how, like, Valley of the shadow of death, right? Scary place. You're a long way from home. You're a long way from being safe. It's not looking good. Man. This makes me emotional just because it's so cool. Imagine all of a sudden seeing SEAL Team 6 bust in wherever dungeon you're being held in. Right? The toughest dudes on the planet. With more weapon, you're right, they got guns and they got big guns. Right? Can you imagine how how your feelings change? Right? Right now I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but now I've got some comfort. Right? That gun, that brings me great comfort. Wow. Because they're here for me. He's here to protect me. Right? That's a little picture, a little picture of what this is saying. That God is there. God is there as your shepherd with his rod. He is, he is there to protect you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So look, are you walking through the valley? Whatever it might look like. Being persecuted for your faith. Maybe somebody's attacking your reputation. Uh, maybe you feel you just feel the weight of this broken world in any number of ways through the own brokenness of your body, um, through the uh, 
who knows what, right? The, the abuse that you've suffered, uh, your, the, your own sin, in a sense, right, attacking you. But if you feel the, the weight of that, if you, if you feel attacked, right, what, a, what an amazing comfort to know that God is not only there, but he's there with you and he is there and will protect you. That he has every resource of the unit. He doesn't just have right, a, a, a rifle or a club or whatever. He has every resource of the universe and he uses it to protect you. That God himself is fighting for you in the midst of that. What an amazing comfort. All right, fourthly and finally, I want you to see that God celebrates his people. He cares for us by celebrating us. Verse five. And right here, the, the metaphor, the illustration really changes in some ways. It's kind of kind of odd, right? We ditch the shepherd sheep idea and we move to that the picture of a banquet, of a host and a guest. And you get the picture that God has set this wonderful banquet. He's throwing this big party, celebration, and he's honoring his guests. Uh, and, and what does he do? It says he anoints his head with oil, which was a sign of respect, of, of honoring someone. Um, you get the idea that right, he hasn't spared any expense, and he makes sure that there's, there's more than enough food and more than enough drink. It's this beautiful party. And it's all done in the presence of my enemies, which the idea seems to be that it's done to vindicate the guest, the honored guest, right? To show that essentially to show off the fact that that he's the one that's favored by God. And so what's the point? Why does God do that? What's the point of this imagery of God throwing this party and having his his uh, his child, right, his his David, you, his believers, his, his child as the, as the guest. Why does he do that? Well, uh, a few years ago, now longer than either one of us would care to realize, a good friend of mine turned 40. Um, and uh, when he did, this is my former campus minister and a good friend of mine. And when he turned 40, his wife threw him this awesome surprise party. She did an amazing job. He had no clue. And she worked super hard. She had people, you know, his friends and people that he had ministered to. And, you know, anybody and everybody sent out invitations. That they traveled from, you know, all over. And she brought him really nice gifts. And had this, you know, great party with food. And she surprised him with all of this. And it was really cool and special. I didn't get to go out I guess I didn't love him enough. Sorry if you, if you listen to this. Um, but it was this great party. And it, why did she do that? Well, it's pretty obvious and it's pretty simple, right? She did it because she loves him. And she wanted, she wanted to show off the fact that she loved him and that all these people love, love him. And she wanted to celebrate him. And, and to express how much you mean to us. And that's exactly what's going on here. Right? This psalm uh, about how much God cares for his people, it, it culminates in this picture of this, of this banquet where, where God throws this party and he celebrates and, and showers blessings on his people just because he loves them. And he wants to show 
Like, look how much I, I think you're amazing. And look, I, I just want you to think, just what, what if God really does love you like that? What, what if God really doesn't just want you to do what you're supposed to do so that you stop being so much trouble? But he actually just thinks you're awesome. What if that's true? What if God doesn't want you to just do right so that you, you know, stay in line and sort of make it to heaven and so that, you know, he can have some people to hang out with? What if he thinks you're amazing and, and he wants, to, he loves to be with you and he wants to just celebrate you because he finds you fascinating and he wants to throw you a party. That's what this psalm is saying. What a great thing. All right, let me end with this, this thought. Because that would be great, wouldn't it? But how do you know that's true? And if it is true, how do you know that it's for you? And I want to suggest to you that it's actually, those are two questions that have the same answer. So look, you, you got to stick with me on this. It's just one or two minutes. I want you, I want you to follow this because it's fascinating. Right, this shepherd and sheep theme really goes all throughout the Bible. You see it in Genesis. Uh, you see it in Genesis forty-eight, Ezekiel thirty-four. Um, particularly in Ezekiel, God says that He Himself will shepherd His sheep. Right, and that's what we see in our Psalm. And then, if, when you get to the New Testament, you see something really amazing. In John, John chapter ten, Jesus tells us something pretty fascinating. Jesus shows up and he says that he himself is the good shepherd and that he lays his life down for the sheep. Right? Jesus says he's the shepherd. The one Psalm 23 talks about. But then if you fast forward, if you keep going in Revelation, also written by John, Revelation 5, John talks about seeing the throne room of God and, and on the throne... What does he see? He sees a lamb, a sheep, right? And it was a sheep, a lamb that had been killed. And the people, uh, there's people all around and they're worshiping and praising the lamb. And then in Revelation 7, 17, it, John sees this multitude of people, uh, so big that nobody can count it, surrounding God's throne. And he hears, and then he writes down these words. For the lamb... In the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Right? Do you, do you see? Jesus is depicted as the lamb, the sheep that has been slain and the shepherd. Right? Do you get, do you get what it's saying? The shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, became a sheep, became a lamb, and died to take the place of his sheep so that he can shepherd us forever. Right? And it's because of that amazing truth that you can know that God cares for people like this. Because he didn't even spare his own son. 
He went to the, to the fullest extent. And because Jesus takes the place of sheep, of, of you and me, and dies in our place, He does that so that He can shepherd us forever. And that's the good news. Right? Doesn't it sound good to always have somebody that would care for you like that? Right? Sheep need a shepherd. And Jesus is offered to us tonight. And I pray that you'll take it. That's an invitation. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, what an amazing truth that we can scarcely comprehend. That you are the great shepherd of the sheep. And even so, you became a lamb and you died in our place. All because you love us. Jesus, help us to believe that. And we ask it in your name. Amen.